Hello, folks. My name is John. I am the host of In the Garage with Track Guy. And today with me, as always, is Track Guy himself, my father, Mike J. Dad, why don't you go ahead and give us a quick rundown on Track Guy USA, our mission, and who's involved. Yeah, John, uh, it's something that we started in October of 2018. And our initial mission was to help the kids in the state of Iowa that want to be involved in track and field or cross country, but don't have the means for uh, new shoes or want to go to camp and can't afford to go to camp, etc. So it, it's been it's been amazing with the, uh, the the supporters we have, the people that have bought uh, our specifically designed T-shirts that we have uh, designed and printed for Track Guy that uh, since 2018, we've been fortunate to give away hundreds of pairs of shoes. We have been able to give away, or to gift rather, $500 scholarships uh, to seniors that are gonna go on to, to, the, to college and not necessarily compete in track and field or cross country, but are gonna further their education. And the number of scholarships continues uh, to grow each and every year. We've helped kids come up with funds to attend summer camp, whether it be track and field or cross country. So it, it's been uh, so rewarding on, on what we've been able to accomplish thus far. We've also uh, got an outstanding board of directors we are a 501c3, and it requires us to have a board of directors, and we have a board that supports uh, what we do, is able to offer insight. They are the folks that go through the large number of applications for our scholarship gifts and, and select those winners. On the Track Guy Foundation board of directors, we have John Y. John is an administrator at Kirkwood Community College in, in Coralville has a long uh, history of track and field and cross country uh, of, his, of himself and, and, and his family. John uh, is uh, in the booth with me as an announcer at the Drake Relays uh, each and every year. We do University of Iowa meets together and, and other meets when we have the opportunity. So John brings a lot of insight and expertise to the board. Mike Parker, he is the uh, head girls track and field and head girls cross country coach with a storied career at Iowa City West. Uh, Mike's accolades on his resume uh, speak for themselves. Uh, Michelle West, Michelle um, has, a, has a PhD, works at the University of Iowa in, in research and track and field background. Her husband, Doug, is the uh, athletic trainer for the University of Iowa track and field program. Their son, Austin, is on the track team at Iowa. He was a state champion at Iowa City West, an outstanding all-around athlete. He's at Iowa competing in the heptathlon and the decathlon. Brent Sands, the head girls track and field coach at Solon. The Solon girls are always in the mix uh, for a 3A state championship in the spring, and uh, we're sure glad to have Brent on board. Madison Melchert, Madison was a state champion runner in her own right at Dallas Center Grimes, went on uh, to the University of Missouri and finished up at the University of Iowa and uh, had an outstanding collegiate track and cross country career. And Madison is back in uh, her home school district of Dallas Center Grimes uh, as, an as an athletic administrator. And Josh Hildebrand, Josh is a longtime uh, spotter for me in the booth, the Drake Relays and the state meet. Josh was an All-American runner at Luther College, ran a Decorah in high school, and uh, is a uh, PE teacher in the Iowa City Liberty School System and the Iowa City Liberty uh, head, cross, head Boys Cross Country Coach. So we've got six members on the board that have very deep ties to the sports of track and field and cross country. They know uh, 
what it is to, to put kids first and couldn't ask for a better group of folks to be on the board. You know, Dad, it is pretty cool to have such a fantastic board standing behind Track Guy's mission and the number of generous donors across the state of Iowa and the nation. However, a huge thank you needs to be sent to the locally owned shoe stores that have partnered with us to help so many lives. In Des Moines is Fitness Sports. Heartland Souls is located in Johnston and Coralville. Iowa Running Company is in Cedar Rapids. Davenport has Fleet Feet. And in Sioux City is Peak Performance. So listeners, if you're in the area, stop in for some new shoes, some clothing, or heck, even a water bottle. And without further hesitation, I'll hand the mic over to Track Guy and we'll get this show on the road. And now let's head to the starting line for the inaugural episode of the Track Guy podcast. Today's guest was an Iowa High School state champion at Dowling Catholic, a six-time NCAA champion at the University of Missouri, and is now preparing to head to the Olympic Games in Tokyo, where she will be representing the U.S. of A. in both the 5,000 and 10,000 meter runs. Carissa Schweitzer, welcome to In the Garage with Track Guy. Thank you. Very honored to be the first one on this episode or so, on this podcast. <laughs> absolutely. So, Carissa, where, where are you at right now? I'm in Park City, Utah, and we're training here leading into the Olympics, but we're going to actually head over to Hawaii on Sunday and get a little humidity shock to our system before we head over to Tokyo. Well, if you came back home to Des Moines, you could get a little bit of that humidity shock. We're, uh, <laughs> we're experiencing some of that right now. But So if you would, let's just help people, uh, let's educate some people here early and why Park City, Utah? What does Park City, Utah have to offer? In a, you know, it's altitude training. What are you doing for altitude training? Just simply. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been up here for 14 weeks now, actually, but we've come down for a few races, obviously. And um, the benefit for us really is just having that high altitude training. And you basically just do your normal training, but it's way more difficult because you're at high altitude. And so, um, we sleep up in Deer Valley and then we travel down to Salt Lake and to Provo, um, and Orem all to do workouts at a little lower elevation. Um, but yeah, Jerry is, loves the altitude. You know, and, and you mentioned Jerry, and for those who don't know, Jerry Schumacher was a coach at the university of Wisconsin and, and, uh, now is the coach of the Bowerman track club. And, um, Obviously, uh, has some of the best in the world uh, under his wing there, and Carissa being one of them. And so, let's talk a little bit about uh, you know what's it like for here. Here's a, a girl from from Iowa, only a one-time state champion in her career, and had an outstanding collegiate career. Now you're an Olympian. How does how does that soak in? <laughs> it actually still hasn't soaked in yet. Um, pretty crazy to even think that um, can be obviously an Olympian now and. Um, something I've been shooting for for so long now and to just look at my career progression obviously after winning one state title going into college would have never even dreamt of winning a national title let alone six so I'm just very grateful for all the coaches and teammates that have got me to where I am right now the Schweitzer family is uh, 
very into and been very successful at uh, running. Um, your mom and dad were very successful collegially. Your grandfather very successful collegially and seemingly coached forever at Dowling. So out and then, of course, Kelsey and, and, and Ryan, uh, very, very good in their own right. Does that does that help somebody like you that uh, that has visions of becoming uh, an outstanding runner, that their family also knows kind of what they're going through? Oh, definitely. I feel like it helped. It's been helping me since day one. I just going growing up in Iowa and growing up with two parents that love running, they knew not to just push me in it right away. So they actually made me try out a bunch of different sports and all the way from like t-ball to softball and soccer and (laughs) dance, like a bunch of different stuff that just to kind of stay active and find what I really loved. Cause they knew like, once I found my passion, like that's what I was going to be good at and lucky for them it happened to be their passion as well. So, um, just being able to like share the love of running with them and with my grandparents and with, um, my brother and sister, it's been really something special. And they all made the trip out to the Olympic trials in Eugene a couple weeks ago. So being able to share um, that moment of making my first Olympic team with them was something really special and um, something that we all have been looking forward to and um, that moment to be able to share together. Well, you, you had quite a fan base there. And uh, <laughs> yeah. know, in the Bower and Track Club, uh, ladies had their, you know, the shirts on. I'm wearing one today. It says kicking for Carissa <laughs> on the back. Your dad was uh, kind enough to give me that in Eugene. But so... When you're out there warming up at Hayward Field, you know, and and you're, and you're getting ready, and and you know that you've got twenty to or so family members and close friends that are there to watch you, you know, even though they're watching the whole meet, they are there to support you. What kind of a feeling is that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's nerve wracking, but it's also um, very grateful for it, just because at the end of the day, like whether I made the team or I didn't, my family was going to be there and they're going to be happy for me regardless. Cause you know, those are the type of fans that are there win or lose. And they've seen some of the hard moments, but they also get to celebrate the exciting moments too. Let's talk about grandpa Frank for a minute. When I saw your dad at Eugene, I said, Hey, Mike, your mom and dad coming out. Yeah. Yeah. I said, when do they get in? He said, well, they're driving. I said, Oh yeah. What? You know I mean? Here are your grandparents in their eighties. And Mike says, well, they like to see the country. Did that surprise you at all that, that they didn't fly, that Frank decided to get behind the wheel and drive however many hours it was to Eugene to, to watch it? Not surprised at all. <laughs> they <laughs> they love saving money and they love um, traveling and just getting to like see the world. They take their time when they <laughs> are traveling out here, stopped at a lot of cool stops. I think I was getting um, calls starting like two, three months out from the trials about what their plans were and where they were stopping. So I was very educated on every single stop and hotel and break they took leading well, into Eugene. I, I can't imagine uh, the pride uh, uh, of your family and and uh, with their background in the sport and uh, seeing it all come to fruition. And, you know, and you're just getting started. So Tell us a little bit, well, let's, let's talk a little bit about how you've stayed healthy. And for the most part, you know, you, you have been healthy and, and uh, haven't missed any uh, big races. You don't have the trials, you're running the 5K, two rounds, and then the 10K final, very similar to what you're going to do in Tokyo. Um, how, how does a person prepare for that um, physically? 
as well as emotionally, just because it's so different than what you do throughout the year. I don't know if that question makes sense to you or not. No, that definitely makes sense. And I think out of all years, this was one of the toughest years for athletes just because they had to not only be healthy for one year, but they had to be healthy for two years because they were expecting um, the trials to be in 2020. And um, a lot of people, um, it just was, it was difficult. And luckily I'm one of the younger athletes, but um, throughout my whole career, I've had obviously like little niggles here and there, but nothing that has truly set me back or caused me to miss any major championship or major races. And I credit that a lot to like, just being smart and, um, knowing that it's okay to take rest days and like, it's okay to like back off mileage at times, because at the end of the day, like if you're not healthy and you come to the line, like, you know, you're not going to be your best self. So, um, always just try to like dial it back a little bit at times, just so that I can keep that consistent training because I do credit a lot of my consistency to my success, just throughout college and now into professional, you just keep building season after season and then you have a huge breakthrough. And, um, obviously it's not the easy way to have a breakthrough and it takes time, but I really do believe that consistency is key for that kind of success. Well, you know, you mentioned about being healthy for, for two seasons, 20 and 21. And I think there's a flip side to that for some of the athletes that weren't healthy in 20, uh, that they were able to reap, uh, the benefit, there was a benefit to them for, for COVID as bad as it was and still is, but it, you know, they gave them that extra time, uh, to get ready. And obviously that wasn't, wasn't your case, but I'll have to admit during that 10,000 in Eugene, I was a little bit nervous getting late in the race when all of a sudden you weren't in the top three. And then, uh, but obviously you were, you knew what you could do and what you had to do. And were you nervous as well? Were you as nervous as maybe some of those of us that were secretly cheering for you? Oh, definitely. Um, there was actually a moment in the race that obviously no one knows what was going through my head, but um, <laughs> I, I think it was either, I think it was six laps to go. I was coming around and I thought it was five laps to go. And so when I saw that it was actually six laps to go, there was a little moment of doubt in my head and I kind of breaked apart from the pack and um, luckily it only took me about half a lap or a full lap to regain that confidence and know that like, I can, I can make it this whole 10 K. But, um, at the time it was like, Ooh, it'd be nice to fade back here a little bit. <laughs> but, um, also just mentally knowing how bad I wanted to be on that team that, um, I mentally regained my focus and latched back on. Being a fellow Iowan, and I was lucky enough to be on the mic in that 10K, and I thought, I've got to watch myself here, make sure that uh, I'm not a homer, and, and giving her a little extra uh, encouragement, because I, I was I was a little bit nervous. I know how bad you wanted it as well, even though you'd already been on the team, you know, in the, in the 5,000, but um, the heat that day was like nothing that we have experienced very often in Iowa. And people say it was a dry heat. Well, when it's 114, it, it doesn't matter if it's wet or dry. Yeah. Do you do you think that, uh, that the race would have been different for you had it been had it went off as scheduled, opposed to be moving it in the morning? Do you were you concerned about the heat? I was definitely concerned about the heat, but I know that I run well in the heat, so I was kind of just taking it as a um, exciting factor. I was like, okay, like I know I can handle heat and humidity just being from Iowa. I was like, I can go back to my roots. Like this will be fine. 
Um, but as the temperatures kept creeping up there, I did get nerve wracking just because, especially in a 10 K, you just don't know like how your body's going to react in that kind of heat. And, um, you could shut down without even, you know, nothing mental, just your body, just, you know, shutting down. So, uh, I was very glad that they moved it up. I think it was still difficult being at 10 AM because we had that direct sunlight and it was actually a little more humid earlier on in the day than it would have been um, like if they moved it to a nighttime race or something. Well, let's, let's look forward ahead, ahead here to, uh, to Tokyo. Okay. And uh, uh, you mentioned you're going to go to Hawaii for a week and, and get some acclimation to humidity and that type of thing. What are you expecting in, in Tokyo? Do you, do you know what you're going to eat? Do you know where you're going to stay? Do you know who you're going to room with? You know, how does, how does all that, and I'm, I'm sure it's all planned out, et cetera, but how does that work? You're going to be going to a, to a, a foreign country representing America, uh, which is uh, stressful enough in itself, and also trying to get on the medal stand in one race, if not two. How, how does a person handle that? And what, what's, the, what's the agenda, if you know it? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a stressful situation, just given uh, 10K, 5K is very deep this year. And you've seen multiple people break the 10K uh, world record, which is inspiring and also just nerve wracking, exciting, all the emotions. Um, But I'm excited about Tokyo. I think um, having a very humid and hot climate is going to play into my benefit. And um, I know I can run well in the humidity and I know it's going to mess up some race plans and I know, um, anything can happen in those kind of conditions. So I'm excited about it and obviously nervous given it's my first Olympic appearance. And I've gotten quite a few people reaching out to me and some good advice to just heading into the race, just kind of like making sure I treat it like any other race and just go out there and attack it like I normally would and not try to put too much pressure on myself, uh, given what stage it's at. But yeah, regarding the other circumstances, I think it's going to be quite a shock um, from just what I've heard through the protocols. I think we're getting tested um, every day. And then we're also getting tracked through Google Maps, I believe, for contact tracing. So we have to have our phone on us 24-7. And then we don't get to choose our roommates. So I'm hoping I'll just get paired with Elise um, on the Bowerman team because we're both on the 5k team together, but I don't, I don't know what their (laughs) protocol is. And then on top of that, I did read something about eating alone, I believe. Like, so I'm very interested to see what this, um, Olympic village experience is going to be, but it'll definitely be one like no other. So and hopefully like, yes, exactly. Hopefully like, not like (laughs) one that we'll ever witness again. What what are they going to have? What are they going to have? What do they have? Uh, for food? Is there a food court? Is there American food? Can you go down there and get a hamburger if that, if that was on your, on your menu for the day? Or uh, do you know anything about that? So I know normal years they have a buffet style, but I believe this year they're having um, personal chef because they obviously yeah. don't want to do buffet style, but I don't know what that entails. Um, it sounds fancy, but uh, <laughs> we will see. So you don't, necessarily picking your own menu and that type of thing but they know ahead of time yeah we're not quite sure what the food aspect entails but i know through usatf like they will probably put us in the best hands at 
possible given um, all the support and just they try so hard to make it um, a relaxed environment for their athletes. Sure. So I coached for a number of years and know how important it is to have teammates and good teammates. And you, and you mentioned Elise Cranny. How big of a how big of a deal is that to both of you that here you are trained together, you basically live together, you're together 24-7, and now you're both on the Olympic team together in the 5,000. You know, how, how big of a deal is that? Yeah, I mean, just to be able to make the Olympic team and share that same exact experience with someone is just so incredible. And even um, in between our time from the 5K to the 10K, I feel like we like were going on runs and like we just couldn't stop talking about the race because we were just so excited and just um, just couldn't believe it. Like we were still wrapping our heads around. We're like, did that just happen? Like we've been talking about it for so long leading into the race that it was like almost a shock that it actually like worked out as well as Jerry's plan um, that he gave us. And then um, us being able to execute that race plan. But how about, you know, going there to a foreign country with a teammate doing the same exact thing you are, that's gotta, that's gotta give you some assurance as well. Don't you think? Oh, definitely. I, in Doha, I actually was the only member on the Bowerman team that was in the 5k and that was a little difficult just to navigate because you kind of have to just to really be on top of yourself and just like be like, okay, I got to be at this area and check in at this point and um, start my warm up here. And now um, in Tokyo, I know it's going to be way stricter with all the protocols that they have in place and it'll be very relaxing and um, just comforting to have another athlete that I know so well and I've trained with to be able to rely on and um, go through the same uh, nerves and um, protocol stuff that we have to go through together. Do you have a favorite event, Carissa? Uh, obviously, here you are at Olympian in two, but they're they're really two extremely different races. Do you have, do you have a favorite? It may not even be one that you qualified yet. Uh, my favorite event is actually the 3K um, indoors is I've always loved running on indoor tracks and um, the 3K is just a very special event for me given like a collegiate record and American record in it. I think just, I don't know what it is. I just really love that race. It's just, it gets over really fast. I think once you're through one mile in, you're like, oh, it's barely anything left. Um but second to that would definitely be the 5K. And I've learned to really love the 5K. Didn't particularly, I wasn't particularly a fan of it my freshman year of college and told my coach, Coach Burns, that um, I didn't think I wanted to be a 5K runner. And here I am today. So now I'm telling Jerry that I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a 10K runner. And here that is. So absolutely, um, absolutely. Well, you learn to love the events that you're good at. So yeah. definitely have learned to love the 5K and excited about the potential in the 10k as it's a relatively new event still for me well it's i kind of you played right into what i was hoping you would say about the 3k is there are a number of people in america that think it's silly that iowans girls run the 1500 and the 3000 opposed to the 1600 and the 32 or the mile and two mile and says it holds them back well you've got the collegiate record and the american record in the 3000 i don't think 3000 meters held you back too much running that at Dowling, you appear to, to have adjusted well. What, you know, do you think that that makes any difference as to what high school girls run as far as distance, or is it just get out there and do what you can and be good what you, you know, that type of thing? Or do you, 
Do you get caught up in that, or did you, uh, as a high schooler, as to comparing times and uh, with other people? Um, not too much, uh, especially with the three k and the fifteen hundred. I mean, those are um, Olympic events, you know, and uh, no one really knows much about sixteen hundred or thirty two hundred times anymore. Um, so I think it's exciting to be able to run those events and see and compare like direct comparison, um, to what college kids are running and what professionals are running. And the one that I am excited that they did move up was the cross country 5k. I think, I think girls are definitely capable of running a 5k and I ran a 4k of course when I was in uh, cross country and that was nice. But then run the two mile, was it two miles at all when you were in high school or was it always 4k? It wasn't, it was just 4k, okay, but, gotcha. um, I yeah, 5K okay. is definitely more relatable and people can understand those times for college coaches and sure. above. So I think it's really good to have a good 5K time. Sure. So let's uh, look past Tokyo and assume that you, you've been on the medal stand and you've ran two lifetime bests. And that, so you get back to the States. What's, what, what's, what's on, what are you, what are you going to do when you get back? Will you be racing any kind of a European circuit Will you run it pre, that type of thing? There are still a few uh, high-class meets after the Olympics, or, or do you shut it down? Luckily, my coach, Jerry, has been pretty open to whatever that we want to do afterwards. There's um, quite a few exciting races, given that Prefontaine is going to be held after the Olympics. And then there's a few diamond links that are exciting, too. And then some like mile races that we could do, but... First and foremost, we're just going to look at given health and um, how I'm feeling after a 5K, 10K double at that level. If we needed to shut the season down after that, that's what we're going to do because main focus is the Olympics. And then next year, the main focus is world. So that's basically what we're going to have in mind when we think about postseason. And, you know, in the last few years, and you touched on this too, you've opened up your season with a very fast indoor 3000. So your season starts early. So you've, you've been uh, at a very high level here for a very long time. So that's why I was just curious as to what your plans were, if you had any yet, and just see how it feels, you know, after Tokyo. If you had any advice, Carissa, for uh, young high school girls in Iowa, or the nation for that matter, that uh, look at you and, and Lisa Yule as, as great models for these kids. Lisa never won a state title in cross or track. You only won one. I say only, but uh, many people never had the opportunity even to win any. But winning one, any advice for, for kids that are maybe doubting uh, their potential or, or doubting what they've accomplished uh, early on in their career? Yeah, I mean, what I touched on before, just the consistency has really played a factor for me. And then also just never doubting yourself. Uh, for me, I never even thought once about my one state title. It was just like went into college and see what I can do. and making my first nationals in cross country. I mean, I would have never expected that. And then just progressing on to all American and then just never settling and never doubting for that. Um, and then going on to winning national title. I mean, all those steps just, I feel like it happened because I didn't doubt myself in the race and other people going into the race might've never even thought I had a possibility of doing that. But obviously I had that belief in myself. And I think that's really important is it's you believe in yourself and you just don't doubt yourself going into those kind of events or even just going into college as itself. Sure. And it's kind of cliche. And, and during an Olympic year, you hear it and from interviews and you read it in the newspaper or 
uh, an athlete says, this has been my lifelong dream to make the Olympic team and wear the red. Is that true for you? Is that something that you thought about early on? Or is it just something that maybe in the last year or two that you thought was a possibility? Or was it really a dream for Carissa Schweitzer as a youngster? I've always like watched the Olympics and I've always just really um, loved like just seeing the athletes like like living into their dreams and like um, competing at such a high level. And after, I just remember, especially after watching 2016 Olympics that I didn't make the trials at that time. And all I kept thinking was like, I want to be there. I don't want to just be at the trials. Like I wanted to be at the Olympics. And I just think having that dream, whether it was really far-fetched at the time, really just motivated me for that next five years until I was able to get my opportunity. And even when I was walking out onto the track, um, before the 5k, I just remember thinking, I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is five years in the making of nerves (laughs) and, um, quickly like shot that down because you can't think about how nerve wracking it is or the potential that you wouldn't accomplish what you want to accomplish that day. But just kind of looking back and being like, how cool is it that I'm here and I have a shot at making this team. So that's kind of my approach to racing in those big races and racing at the trials because it is a lot of pressure. And when you start to think about that, it can really consume you. People have asked me, you know, what, what kind of a person is Carissa Schweitzer? I said, well, I, it isn't like we have spent a lot of time together. One thing that always comes to mind is that you're very humble and, and quiet. <laughs> but when you when you spike up, you're pretty tenacious, and uh, you've got a you've got a streak in you that uh, always in good position uh, in the five k and and the ten until you slip back to fourth and made everybody take a big gasp there for a little while. But you know you're always you always put yourself in good position. Do and part and a lot of that is because of confidence. But do you see yourself as a as a fighter that hey? Uh, it's going to take your best to beat me type thing. Do you go, is that part of your attitude or you're just confident in yourself and say, Hey, I'll lay it out there what I have. And, and if it's good enough, it's good enough. I'm definitely confident in myself, but I know that I'm a bit scrappy. So um, when plans like I'm falling back into fourth, like I'm, you know, I'm not super worried. Like, cause I know that I can fight and claw my way back. And I've had many races where I've fallen off the lead group and, I've regained, I don't even know (laughs) what happens, but um, just find another level or another pain threshold to dig to. And um, I know that I can do that. And I know that I am scrappy at the end of the day. So I'm definitely going to fight and claw my way to whatever spot or position I'm capable on that day. And I said we were going to be done talking about the trials, but I've got so many questions about that. You know, just what goes through the mind of, of of an athlete that's trying to make the Olympic team. Is it one of those deals where anywhere in the top three is good enough that day, even though everybody wants to win, but in the end, you say, well, I made the top three, I made the team, I'm happy. Is that, was that it? Or, you know, I mean, you, you didn't win. You, you, I mean, you were second in both races, mm-hmm. which uh, anybody would have given for that. But were you fine with that? Or did you want to win? I mean, you want to win, but the fact that you didn't win, yeah. was that a, a heartbreaking moment for you or the elation of making the team overtook all that? I actually, I mean, every time you step on the line, you want to win, regardless if top three is what takes you to the team. Um, I do know that like at the end of the day, I'd rather perform better at the Olympics than the trials. So um, I'm content with that. But 
Um, I do think that my second place like lit a fire under me for the 10 K and it made me really want to get on that team regardless of what it was going to take. So who knows if like I won, if I would have just been content with that and, um, went to been as tough in the 10 K, but, um, I do know that it did light a fire under me and I don't know, I hate getting second and I've been working my butt off. So we'll see in years to come. You've had incremental greatness, so to speak, in your career from the high school level to the collegiate level, now at the at the uh, professional level. Of, and have your workouts incrementally been tougher as well? Um, I don't even know what the words are. I mean, obviously, what you're doing today, you couldn't do as a high school high schooler, okay? But it's relative to how, how tough they were. Compare a little bit what you do today compared to what you did in high school, if that's even a comparison. You know, the amount of time, uh, you know, it's a full-time job now uh, for you. You know, whether, oh, yeah. it's, uh, whether it's training or resting or eating, it's, it's all part of, uh, of the end result. Is that something that uh, was a hard adjustment? For high school, you practiced maybe, maybe you did a run in the morning, easy run, and then you had a workout in the afternoon. College took a little more time. Now it is a career and a job. How, how's, how's that adjustment? Oh, it's definitely a big adjustment. High school is more just kind of like having fun with it and enjoying competing as a team. And um, luckily, my high school team was really good and we had a really good team culture with that. But it was never anything like the kind of um, pushes I have to make in workouts now. I mean, I look back and I'm like, we're running my PR pace in high school for repeats at altitude. And it's just, it's crazy to look back on. And I know that's what's going to get me to the next level now. I know that that wouldn't have helped me too much when I was back then. It would have just exhausted me too much and um, probably would have made me not even like the sport as much. So I'm very happy with the progression that has happened because I think mentally, you need to be more relaxed when you're younger and just kind of have fun with the sport and fall in love with the sport and then really take that love for the sport and turn it into a passion. Well, let's talk about that, you know, a, a passion. And, and, and many times uh, uh, I've mentioned this to uh, a lot of people, you know, I, I feel sorry for people that don't have a passion when their feet hit the floor in the morning, you know, something that they want that they're passionate about that, that they want to do, regardless of what it is. And uh, you obviously have a, a passion for, for running and competitive running. Is this, uh, are you hoping this is going to be a long-term career? I mean, I mean, uh, you know, two to three Olympic games, then are you going to look down the road? Is this something that you still want to be doing professionally, maybe as a road racer 15 years from now? If you, can you even think that far ahead uh, from what you're going through here in the last couple of weeks? <laughs> It's definitely hard to think that far ahead just because um, the training is pretty um, exhausting and mentally really can wear on you over the years. But for me, I'm just I love that grind and I love seeing like where and how I can push my body. And the fact that it still excites me as much as it does and I'm still so driven with it, um, I can see myself continuing on with it for a while and who knows where the career ends? Like, I don't know if that ends to marathons or sure. road racing or wherever that takes me. Um, just as long as I'm as passionate as I am about it right now, because I know that's um, the key to success in the sport. Awesome. So what, what is a, uh, what's a typical day of training for your group 
not in a non you know in a non-Olympic atmosphere, you know, not getting ready for the Olympic Games. But what would be just pick draw one out of a hat? What, what times your day start? You know, what time does it end? What do you do in between? Yeah, um, well, actually, it's kind of crazy because um, in college, like I was getting up at six and we had 6 a.m. practice. So, you know, you're out the door, you're hustling to 6 a.m. practice and then you're going to school and all this stuff. And now you don't have school and now you don't like this is your full time job. So we're usually sleep is a priority. So we sleep until usually about eight (laughs) and then kind of like, you know, have like a slow start. Like you get like a good breakfast in because it's really important just to have um, to fuel before you run. And now that we're all at this level, we know that we need a lot of fuel. (laughs) So we'll just have, you know, breakfast, coffee, all the above, and then do activation drills, some rolling out, and then go, we usually leave for our run at nine, which is so late for a normal person. But like, if it's our main task of the day, like, that's usually what we're doing. And then grab a quick snack and then... You say you're going for a run. How far are you going? When you say, oh, we're going to go for a run, are you... Um, Usually about 10 miles or nine to 10 miles on a easy run day. And then um, we'll head to the gym after that. And that's usually about an hour, hour and a half of work and then head back and get lunch. And then you usually have like a double later um, PT massage. The day fills up faster than you would think. So how many people in your group that you're training, I mean, that would, when you're going out for a nine or 10 mile run, how many, how many ladies are in that group? Um, right now we have about four ladies up at altitude right now training for the Olympics. And then okay. um, our normal group is about, I think there's about nine or 10 of us. Okay. And then that's give or take, like sometimes Shalane runs with us or no. um, we'll have like random people jump in, which is always nice to have a big group of people running. So, and obviously on trails, the streets, a little bit of both, where are you going? Yeah, we try to stick a lot to soft surface. Um, Mm -hmm. When we're in Portland, it's um, a lot of running at the Nike headquarters. And then um, when we're out here, there's a lot of uh, trail options in Utah that we try to check out. Um, A lot of it is just kind of like more of like rail trail or dirt roads, like that kind of thing lots of out and backs a lot of hilly runs out here awesome well before we wrap up this first ever podcast for track guy and i can't thank you enough for for joining us and and hopefully it uh, doesn't shake up your schedule too much but there's two things i want to i want to ask and one is the fact now that you can't have fans at tokyo and I don't know if, if, if your mom and dad were planning to go or not, but the fact now that they can't, that's got to be, even though, you know, I think we knew it was coming to at some point, it's still got to be a little bit disheartening. I totally support it. I totally get it. It's easy for me to say, because I'm not an Olympian or have a family member that is an Olympian, but uh, I've got to think that's a little bit disheartening knowing that uh, your biggest fans won't be in the stands for you. Yeah, I mean, it's been definitely difficult. And I think it's going to be even more tough just because at the trials, we got a little taste of having fans and having family members. We weren't expecting, I wasn't expecting to even have that many fans at the trials as they ended up allowing. And then having that and forgetting like how much you missed it was pretty sad to go back to no fans because 
that's ultimately what we did in our summer series. And that, that was difficult. I mean, I ran my fastest 5k time ever and my parents weren't even there. My siblings, none of them could even see it in person, but I just have to remember that everyone is watching from afar and even though they can't be with me there, they're with me in spirit. So. You know, I think that's one thing that has been a benefit from all of this is now there's more live streaming. There's more ways to, to watch races than, we, than we've ever had the opportunity. And hopefully that will continue. But, you know, secondly is, did you ever, and this, you know, I talked to Kenny Benarik a little bit out at Eugene, and he was still having a hard time wrapping his head around it, that people were paying him to do what he wanted to do. Do you ever wake up in the morning and think, I've got a Nike contract. I'm doing, I'm doing my passion each and every day and somebody's paying me to do it. Sometimes that's got to be a little bit hard to comprehend on, on occasion as well. Oh, definitely. I mean, that's the fun part about all this is that everyone on our team, like we'd be out here doing this for nothing if we could, you know what I mean? Like we all, we all love the sport and it's just crazy to even think that we're getting paid to do that. And it's, yeah, honestly, it's a dream job for sure. <laughs> well, Carissa, we, we thank you. We, I, all of Iowa, uh, we've all got our eyes on you. We're going to have to get up early in the morning. There'll be, there'll be no <laughs> sleeping in until 8 o'clock uh, for Iowans uh, to watch no. you. You'll be running in the <laughs> evening, and it's 9 or 10 hours time difference. But uh, uh, it'll be well worth it uh, to get up and watch you in those 5K, uh, the prelims and the final and the 10K as well. And we just wish you the best of luck. Whatever happens, happens. And all of Iowa's cheering you on. We're all Carissa Schweitzer fans. Oh, thank you. Good best of luck to you. Safe travels.